you were mentioning 2001, it says in Kane you forgot to add Drive. We'll let that slip. We won't know about Drive for another 30 years. 30 seconds. Wh whether it lives or dies. I'm talking about films. Uh, 2001 was made in 1968. I made this film about four years ago. So it's about four time. years is a zip. It's not even a blip. It's not a, a pimple on, on the asshole of humanity. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Sawinski. And I'm Bartek. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling very well. I feel like we're apart, though. I feel like there's a great distance between us. Should you it's come true. drive over here? No, I can't drive. As, uh, as my dad asked me every time, oh, how's the license situation going? I'm like, Dad, the last time I drove, you were here. Yeah, yeah. Last time... Okay, Bartek, I'm your dad. How's the license situation? Dad, the last time I drove, you were here. How's the girlfriend situation? Uh, no progress yet. You know, your stepsister has a girlfriend. <laughs> a boyfriend. Uh, half-sister, half-sister. Half-sister! Fuck, I, I forgot all the details. Yes, it's the same dad. Well, I'm a different dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm you're your other you're dad. You're doing perfectly. You asked the two questions and then you... <laughs> <laughs> and you accept the slipping wrong. So we're spin Polish likingly because we're always spitting, and I'm Bartek's Polish dad, Ryan. Yes, Solinsky. and you're and you're not in the same room as me when we're talking. No, Melbourne has entered lockdowns yet again, so we are separated. And as we record this, this is Bartek's birthday. Happy it's birthday, true. baby boy! Thank you. I'm 28 now. Yep, I remember when I conceived Bartek back in the day. It was a magical moment in which I thought, wouldn't it be great if I had a podcast friend? <laughs> and then you came into fruition. You just walked in being like, hello, I am Bartek. <laughs> so that's what happened. Short for Bartomier. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the bastardized version of that. So we are here doing our show Pictures Pow Wow, in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended I recommended the movie for this one. We are going to be talking about the 2011 film Drive. That was the right year, yes? Mm-hmm. So Drive by Nicholas Winding Refn, or Winding Refn, um, with Ryan Gosling in the lead. If people have not seen this movie, see it. We're going to be discussing it in spoilers, um, which is an interesting thing to say for this type of movie. But this movie does have things that uh, can be spoiled, so... Make sure to watch it before listening to us. Bartek, let's just get in get in it. Get Your in history relationship with this film. What is it? Um, my history with this film is this is a film that I had not seen before doing it for this episode, but it's one that I've had, I think, multiple people mention to me, like, hey, have you seen Drive? So it was one of these films from last decade that has existed in... Uh, my ear space, you could say. A lot of people just have seen this film, like it, and asked me if I'd seen it, and I hadn't. Um, and it was one that I didn't really know all that much about, so I just assumed, like, oh, yeah, it's a really solid American film, and I find out, oh, it's actually by a Danish guy, and it's an independent film. Um, mm. And, yeah, like I said, I didn't know anything about the story other than it probably has some sort of driving. Um, but I think one of the last times someone mentioned it to me I think they might have told me a joke about what the film was about, so I had that perceived, that misconception in my head about the film. I think they told me that 
it's a film about someone who gets sexually uh you know turned on by being in car accidents or something like that. That's Crash with James Cra- Spader. That's okay. All right, that's that was the mistake. Which our good friends the Contrarians podcast covered only a few episodes back. So that's a, that's a David Cronenberg movie. Our uh, favorite director, David Cronenberg. Yes, I like that one film he did. The Fly. The Dangerous um, Crash. Yeah, A Dangerous Crash. Um, so you had not seen this movie before, but you have seen work by this director, and we talked about that last episode at the end. I gave you a forewarning of, well, you've seen The Neon Demon, so you kind of know what what type of movie you're going to be in for with Drive, which is lots of atmosphere, not a heavy amount of dialogue, um, character-focused, uh, visual stuff, of course, so... How did you feel about Drive? Should we not get into your history first? I want to hear. I, I, people, I've seen Drive, and I and I like it. I've seen it a few times, uh, enjoyed it. I'm a big Nicholas Winding Refn fan, but I just I'm, I'm I really want to hear you because you did not like the Neon Demon um, when you watched it because you didn't know what type of movie you were in for, and you didn't know the type of films this director makes. Mm-hmm, that's true. So, how was Drive? Um, I thought the film was okay. I, um, I didn't have a very deep, uh, response to it or anything like that. I, I thought it was okay. Uh, the film, it, it, it worked. It just didn't, yeah, it just didn't appeal to me too much is the, the general statement about it. Why? And is it same issues as you had with Neon Demon? No, I think this is really different from the Neon Demon. Um, I, I completely understood this film. I thought that there were a lot of really good things about it. Um, I liked a lot of, uh, the acting was great. The music was great. Um, the atmosphere at times was also really great, but it was, it it was just a film that it happened. I was watching it and then it ended. I, I just, yeah, I, I didn't quite see what other people see in this film. I understand that. I like Drive a lot. I don't necessarily uh, agree with the hype around the film as much as everyone else does. I also think it's just a very solid, good movie. It's not my favorite Nicholas Winding Refn film. That's still a toss-up between Bronson and and, and the Neon Demon. Um, But I think it's his best film. I think it's his best made film. I see why it has the universally popular kind of things towards it. It is well acted, well told. And I like the film very much. I've been like you as well, um, where this film, I've watched it and I went, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it, nice. But when I watched it last night, I watched it on my own. My wife wasn't really in the mood to watch Drive because also it is, like with all of his films, a mood piece to watch. Yeah. I was unaware that I was in the right mood, though. So I watched it, and by the end, I was actually really, really emotional. I felt really choked up with lots of emotions about it. I especially the the final shots of the movie really got me really got me for some reason and we'll discuss that but i i found myself uh emotionally on board for this film which is i think why it's his best film i think the use of 
um, visual storytelling over dialogue-centric storytelling with this type of story works far greater than a thing like Bronson, which is a real-life story adapted for a film, or like The Neon Demon, which is a genre piece um, very heavily, although I I like The Neon Demon's wordless storytelling as well. But for this, it's a at the center of it. It is a romance movie. It is mm-hmm. a love story, and you just can tell by the, the the images of the the actors looking at each other that they're in love. But there's something holding them back. For her, it's the fact that she's got a family and a husband, and and for him, it's because he's a cri- he's working with criminals and he's psychotic. And a few other variants along the way, but I, 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 I think what makes the film work is that is 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 there's a deep, an emotional root at the center of this love story that is universal, where you don't need the actors to say the words, you just need them to look at one another, and you feel that emotional connection. And I think that is why Drive stands out. Not just because it has awesome, brutal violence and the music is great, but I think it's his most emotionally resonant film. Uh, What do you think about that for someone who was kind of left meh on it? Um, Yeah, I certainly don't think the romance was bad or anything like that. It it was definitely emotional. Um, The actors did a great job with it. I, I, I guess, I guess it's just when the film, what am I trying to say here? Um, you weren't satisfied with the ending, huh? No, I think the ending was fine. It, it was just, but that's, that's it. I just thought it was fine. Like the, the film ends, everything made sense. I understood that, yeah, these people will not be together. The, the, the elevator scene made that very clear. That was their last meeting. Mm. Um, and yeah, when the film was winding down to, oh, Nicholas winding down, um, (laughs) yeah, I just, I just knew like, okay, the film's about to end and it did. And then that just happened. You, okay. I will ask you, is it because we've done films like this on, on the pod before? And of course I have to bring up the Neon Demon because that was Mm -hmm. one where you had a very similar reaction to with with this in terms of well, the neon demon your other big complaint was you didn't understand what was going on it seems like you understood this but but i i i want to be sure is the lack of emphasis on dialogue an issue for you because in other films like with the neon demon it has been is that an issue here or is it not no i think this film did it just fine because it had less dialogue than The Neon Demon, which you really railed against as a film that needed more. Yeah, for me, I felt like it needed more. But this mm. one, I thought it worked fine. So I'm just trying to figure out what what about what about the film held you back from appreciating it? What 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 didn't you didn't you get on board with, or what what about it's holding you holding you back? Because yeah, I'm, I'm like, really trying to work that out myself too. Yeah, it seems like he does this to you. It seems like he. If I keep showing you his movies, do you think they'll keep bamboozling you like this? Yeah, it's two for two now, isn't it? I'm almost curious to see Bronson now, which is his most wordy film, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I, I, I get, I, I do understand people not liking 
his films and not liking Drive. But uh, I, I was so sure, oh, well, Bartek's gonna, Bartek is going to like Drive because you are a sentimental. You do like a good romance in your movies, and I thought that would push it over the edge for you. And I thought the, 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 his relationship with the kid and Oscar Isaac and, and the crime element and how well-developed the crime world is and the, and, the, and the plot with that, with Ron Perlman and, and Brian Cranston, although all that stuff would be bolstering up the, the central emotional thing which would have resonated with you, which is the romance which you seem to enjoy, I thought, I thought all of that stuff would have hit harder for you to, to, to enjoy this, but it seems like you recognize that those things are there, but it wasn't enough for you. Yeah. You know, when you lay it all out like that, it really does sound like this film was made for me, but yeah, for some reason it just, yeah, it just wasn't enough. I don't, I don't know what it is. Do you think it's because it got hyped for you? If you just watched this and you didn't have pretty much a decade's worth of people looking at you as the film guy going, you've not seen Drive. And when we were at Deakin University and one of our, one of our tech guys had a giant poster of Drive in his office looming over you when you walked in, <laughs> do you think its reputation preceded it too hard? You know, that's probably a very good point because this is a film that I've heard a lot about. So I was, you know, juggling this thing in my head of like, okay, it's by the guy who made The Neon Demon, which means it's going to be a very specific type of film, but it's also one that seems to have like mainstream appeal. Like I think I've heard my brother talk about it of all people. So film man Oscar, his brother who loves playing games like, like a shark's tail game. Just want to make everyone sure that everyone knows his brothers played the shark tail game. Yes. He's played the shark tail game, but we shouldn't talk about that because this film has a finding Nemo actor in it. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Did you notice that um, the 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 Doctor Jacoby from Twin Peaks was in this? Oh, was he? He was the doctor that was removing the the bullets from his arm after he got shotgun blasted in the uh, robbery. That was Doctor oh, Jacoby, a doctor playing a doctor, and he looked the exact same except for he had a white goatee. He just looked like what he did in Twin Peaks The Return. <laughs> but, uh, golden shovels? Yeah, selling golden shovels. Um, yeah, do you think that its, it's big lurching reputation stopped you? Because he, I wonder, like, what did you think this was going to be? Before I recommended it for the podcast, before we did The Neon Demon, what did you think Drive was going to be? Um, I suppose I would have thought that it was a crime film. That possibly would have had like a police investigation in, involving a crime of some sort that involved, you know, uh, an automobile. Um, <laughs> just just based on like, oh, the title and me thinking that I've seen scenes from it. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it would be mostly a crime film, which, you know, half the film is a crime film. And as you said, the the crime world is well developed. What I'm gathering is, I think... And correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to dissect you here on the table. I'm vivisecting you and being like, is this the heart of the issue? Mm-hmm. Did you think that this was going to be more of an intricate crime thriller mystery? Like, did you think it was going to be more intricate? Something like with Brick being intricate in nature, where it had all of these things as like domino pieces led to this. Did you think it was going to be... um? more fanciful than it is because the thing about drive is it's simple 
It's mm-hmm. basic. It is very. It just does the things really well, and it doesn't. It's not like Ryan Johnson with Brick, where Ryan Johnson is. It's a lot of flash, a lot of style. This has lots of style, but the substance is very just. It's there, you know. Like it's a romance story. It's about this guy who's very quiet and he likes to drive and he's driving for the mob and he wants to save the girl. That's the film. That's the film. Do you, do you think that you're expecting something more intricate than that? I think you might be hitting the nail on the head there. Yeah. When um when we had the scenes with the 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 crime characters and and the scene, you know, where the crime was being committed, the the robbery and the guy getting killed. I think I was more invested in the film. So yeah. I think maybe in those moments, like my subconscious expectations were being met. <laughs> so enough dissecting you for a moment, because I think a lot of the review and discussion will be me being like, what didn't you like about it, Bartek? You motherfucker. You just don't like this Nicholas guy, huh? You against the Danes? You against yeah, the Danes? Even, yeah. Even, even though I should emphasize, like I thought the film was good. I thought it was fine. I recognized great things about it. It was just my emotional response to it. It wasn't as strong as I was expecting. It's interesting because it's like the Neon Demon. It's like that film, you had large parameters of things that you didn't like. And it's like Drive is the answer to those problems that you had with the Neon Demon. Like, it has a heavier emphasis on a narrative structure. Although it's simple, you understood what the narrative was. You understood the story. Um, because it was, it's simple, but it's very, very strategic. Like, you know, it's about this guy who likes a girl, but oh, wouldn't you know, his crime background entangles it all, and he has to make a sacrifice for the greater good to save the girl, right? Yes. Simple. Um, although it has less dialogue than the Neon Demon, you didn't mind that. It had a stronger emphasis on a romantic, in, uh, so, uh, like, uh, aspect of the story, the acting, and uh, I haven't heard you say the film was too dark to understand what was going on, like, visually, which was your big complaint with The Neon Demon 2, that you <laughs> visually couldn't see things. Yeah, again, it, I think it worked in this film. Yeah, because it takes place at night a lot. <laughs> takes place at night a lot, and it adds to the, the mood. Yeah, but it's like, The Neon Demon, you had a lot of problems, but it feels like Drive is like, it's like it it was made for you as a response to you not liking The Neon Demon, and you still are like, this guy, he's just, he makes these movies that I just don't get. (laughs) Um, I loved it. Um, Surprisingly so. I've always liked Drive. For me, its reputation preceded it too hard. I was told for too long, and I only saw it a year after it came out, that it was this great film. Ryan Gosling's career has been redefined from the pretty, handsome leading guy to the stoic badass. And I understood Drive in a different way. I understood it to be like a macho man movie, like like really fucking cool and badass and super violent. But then when I watched it, I was like, this is a really really sweet movie, honestly. Like, it has this extreme violence. It has these overtly evil cartoony gangster characters but but the driver and irene and and the kid and even oscar isaac they're all like sweet good people in a bad situation so i've always liked it but i've always held back on being loving of it because i was told you have to love drive and there's just something about being told you have to love drive or you have to love this movie 
it's very hard to to accept that, especially with newer films. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're in high school and you're told you have to love, uh, you have to love this Avengers movie. Uh, guess what? I didn't like Avengers. Okay, well you're wrong. Ooh. Yeah, I remember that was Transformers when that came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that too. And so it's like, I can accept you have to love Pulp Fiction because that came out when I was like one years old or whatever, right? Or two years old. And I grew up in a world in which everyone loved Pulp Fiction. And I watch it, I go, yeah, I love Pulp Fiction, but I actually prefer Reservoir Dogs. But I think it's his better film, uh, Pulp Fiction. But like, oh, with older movies, right? Like not everyone has to love Citizen Kane, but I understand why people do. I do too. But like, Drive, I, I rejected it for quite some time as his best, uh, but I, I as as a film that I should love. But I acknowledge that it is his best film. Like I said, I think the filmmaking's on point. I don't feel like even in the Neon Demon, which I love, it doesn't feel like there's any indulgences here. It doesn't feel like he's indulging himself in any way. Neon Demon that makes sense because it's a film about indulgences. It's a film about vanity. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like his ego was taking over this movie like it does with Only God Forgives, for instance. I felt like he had a story he wanted to tell, and he had people on board who wanted to tell the story. As non-complex as it is, it's done with an emotional sincerity behind it. And I think the real star of the movie is the direction. As great as the performances are, as great as the writing is, what saves the movie, what elevates it, is this direction. He's not afraid to just hold the camera on Ryan Gosling's face and just let Ryan Gosling's face tell you all you need to know. Like, I loved near the end, right? It's like one of the final few shots of Ryan Gosling's face in the car and you think he's dead, right? You think that his stab wound has killed him and he's just sitting there blank face in the car. And I just love that intense close, that intense shot from from the direction there and just letting Ryan Gosling's somber face where you can't tell, is he is he smiling slightly? Is he happy? What's going You know, you get a long enough view of it to to go through many different interpretations and then he blinks and you're like oh, he's alive and then the movie continues um i really did love it on this watch and like i said much to my surprise i was watching it on my own and i i really felt the romance between him and irene uh carrie mulligan d- did a great job you completely buy her as this woman who lives, you know, a few doors down from him, and you completely buy that she has this relationship with the kid. The kid actor was really good. He didn't have to do much, but I bought him in that world as well, with with Oscar Isaac as his dad and her as the mum, and his how him and the driver are basically very similar. They're both very quiet people who. Um, react to violence in a very specific way where the kid acts more internalized and traumatic about it and so does ryan gosling but then ryan gosling will fuel that into even more violence (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i i was bowled like bowled over by this movie like when it ended I, i i really felt like a tightness in my chest i was i was happy and i was so sad at the same time i just wanted them to get together at, mm. at the end of it and that says a lot because 
you know, I like romances in my material, but rarely am I truly invested in the romance. I'm only invested in it because the film says I need to be. Um, but rarely am I emotionally invested. But I was in this watching of Drive. I was really, really hoping that they would embrace the way that you want them to, but you didn't get that. And it makes sense why you didn't get that. Um... I'm going on a long rant here, but, like, what are some aspects of the movie that you did enjoy or that did take you off guard or, or, or impress you? Um, well, jumping off of what you were just saying with the romance and wanting them to, you know, get together and embrace, um, a sequence that I really liked was the elevator scene where they do have their little kiss. Um, Before the gruesome violence. Yes, and... <laughs> Part of it is because of the juxtaposition to that. Um, but because in the last episode that we did on a Nicholas Winding Refn film on uh, The Neon Demon, we had a big talk about how, like, and we, we even followed that episode up with Mulholland Drive. We were, like, comparing them to David Lynch. Um, and so when I when you told me, oh, Drive, we're doing Drive now, and it's by Nicholas Winding Refn, I was wondering, okay, are there going to be some, you know, abstract elements to it? And the main one that happened for me was that scene, the, the lift scene. Um, yeah, where the lighting changed and it felt very stagey and, like, intimate. It felt very, very, very theatre. This feels like something we would have done in university in a class. Um, yeah, we find out this guy's dangerous, so there's going to be violence, but then you get this little moment where the lighting changes, the camera zooms in on them, they have a romantic moment... Um, it's like that other guy doesn't even exist and then it gets followed up by something completely gruesome that completely contrasts what we were just seeing and it really emphasizes like that could have not happened that could have just been in their heads um, I really enjoyed that moment yeah and on a rewatch value for me I, I that scene is infamous the famous stomping elevator scene right because it's an extreme moment of violence that you don't expect on a rewatch value for myself and maybe this still rings true for a first time viewer like you the kiss mm -hmm. the embrace the way the film does it it feels like the calm before the storm that is his violence this is this is Let's kiss. Let's enjoy this moment because I'm going to be violent in a moment. And this is not going to happen again, probably. Which it doesn't. She looks horrified at him once he's killed that guy. Yeah, it did feel like that for me. But obviously the the gruesomeness of the violence uh, threw me off a bit. Like, oh, okay, he's stomping him to mush, mush. Yeah, yeah. I loved the, the, the way that was shot. And yeah, it feels very stagey. It feels very like this is the fantastical movie moment, which makes sense because he's a guy who works in movies. You have lots of behind the scenes of movies with the with the prop stuff and and the mask that he wears and the stunt cars he drives and like Drive itself as a movie is demystifying the Hollywood aspect of its Hollywood story. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? Where in a lot of these movies like La La Land or whatever, where it's taken place in the movie industry, like with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it makes it romantic. But in Drive, it's just like, it's just any other scuzzy business. You know, like Brian Cranston's got his, sh his cars all over the place. 
And it's like he's talking business with Albert Brooks about what he needs to do to get more money because he's not getting enough money from the Hollywood stunt stuff and they're not even using his cars in the final film, so he's even getting less. And it's like he's demystifying it. But in this moment, when they kiss in the elevator, it does feel like those nice moments in a 1950s movie, right? Where the music swells and the lighting is is on them, and it feels like the rest of the world doesn't exist as they embrace in this kiss. It yeah, is they have the, the movie kiss. It's the from here to eternity kiss, right? Where they kiss while the waves are smashing over them in the in the beach, right? You know that kiss. Yeah, yeah but more chill. But more chill. In this movie, he drowned Ron Perlman in the beach. <laughs> that, that was giving me Tiger and Cranefist flashbacks. Yes, yes. But I... Yeah, like, I, what I like about it is Bronson and the Neon Demon and uh, Only God Forgives, there's like a cynical twist to his, the filmmaker's outlook of the genre or of the people it's covering. But in this, I didn't feel any of that. I felt like there was a genuine love for all of the characters. Like, even Oscar Isaac in the movie, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him, even though he was a mm-hmm. scummy dude, and he was a little bit of a, you know, uh, um, hey, don't you step on my turf? That's my girl. I felt bad for him. Yeah, his 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 first major moment with the main character did feel kind of you know dude broy like hey oh driver guy huh, mm. but after that I feel like it got you know relatively. Chummy, I suppose. Yeah, they got they got on good terms because the driver offered his services to help him. Though it was mm-hmm. still a relationship out of uh, you. You are doing me a favor. True, but even as um, Brian Cranston says, like, oh, so many people, you know, get with a married woman, but no one really helps out the husband like this. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a cynical read of that from the filmmaker. Like. You know, like, what we're saying is, like, Oscar Isaac seemed like a good dude. Even though he was scummy and he was engaging in crimes and he did die, um, I felt like the film itself believed in that guy was a real guy with feelings and emotions. And, and I liked, too, you understood what she liked about Oscar Isaac at some point without it necessarily telling you. Like, you get the story about how they first met, but... The way that Oscar Isaac plays this character and the way she plays and the way that they bounce off each other as well as Ryan Gosling in the mix, you understand how Irene loved this guy at one point and maybe still has feelings for him, but now she's in love with the driver. And that comes down to the fact that the, the that, that you know Nicholas Winding Refn, there's no cynical, snarky edge here. He's not making the Oscar Isaac character an unlikable jerk just so that Ryan Gosling has permission from us, the audience, to get with the married woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, in the scene that where they were talking about, you know, how Oscar Isaac and her met, um, you know, the party scenes like, oh, where's the deluxe version because his name is standard. Um, <laughs> Actually, I actually had to rewind that scene a little bit because I missed her line, um, yeah. and I knew, and I knew just from the way the scene was kind of ambiguous, I needed to hear what that line was just so I could fully understand what the relationship was. Because if that line was something like, 
oh, you hear it, and because you're not Oscar Isaac, you realize like the the dark implications behind the line. Mm. Um, it would completely change the scene. But then when I rewound it and found out it was just this, like you know her playing along with a joke, um, it made it this tender scene and made me realize, oh, okay, so she she does have feelings for this guy. She did have feelings for him in the past. Yeah, yeah, and here's a thing too that is a weird thing to mention, but. Mm-hmm. With a romance like this in which the chemistry of the two leads comes off from what they're not saying to one another, the way that they look longingly at one another. Like, I think Kerry Mulligan said lots of her shooting of this was just staring longingly at Ryan Gosling for hours on end and then got mm-hmm. a paycheck. Yeah. What? And this is a cynical thing to say on my part, but it is true. What makes it easier is you've got two very attractive people. Ryan Gosling is very hot, and Carrie Mulligan is very hot. They're both very attractive people to look at, and that does work in the film's favor, if you know what I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, I just couldn't help but look at her and be like, oh, she's so cute. You know? She's so cute. But you look at him, and you know you've been conditioned that Ryan Gosling's a handsome leading man. You know, he's Ryan Gosling. He takes his shirt off. He's in the notebook. But what's great here is he's still all of those things. He's still very hot. People love just the the raw sexual prowess of him as this character with him holding the hammer over that guy and the and the jacket and the and the gloves. But what I love about him is you got this attractive guy and you're not ugling him up to make him disturbed. He just, there's something off about him. You just look at him in this movie and you know that he's not quite right. Yeah, I didn't necessarily notice it myself, but I read when I was reading up about the film afterwards that he doesn't blink until near the end. Yeah, yeah. When, and it's when that it, kind of thing where like, oh, in retrospect, I felt that. Yeah, and just the intent, he's always intense. Even when he's trying to just be a nonchalant, hey, hello there. Like, he's always got to this brooding energy, whether it's a simmering with uh, the need to commit violence or anxiety of talking to others, because you know he's socially awkward. Mm. Um, I yeah, don't just know. Before, just before the lift scene where he was talking to Irene in the hallway and you're saying, like, you know, he was revealing, oh, I, I worked with uh, Standard on this job. I saw him mm. die. I have the money. You can have it. You could tell that there was definitely, even though he still looked the same, as he usually does, there was more of an awkwardness to it or this kind of tone of like, okay, this isn't going to work. Yeah, like when she smacked him and he still kept bestowing the the script that he's probably put in his brain of what to say to her. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he's responsible for her husband dying in a way. He's he's in part responsible. At least he feels it. He had a part in the incident. And, you know, he has to tell her. He has to tell her because he's a good person still. He wouldn't lie to her. He wouldn't omit that information. You just know that isn't his deal. You can even tell that with the way he treats the child, right? The son. The son. He's mm-hmm. so honest and open with that kid. I loved the the character beats. That says so much about his character of when he's in the car park and he sees Oscar Isaac beat to shit and then he just walks straight past him, doesn't even acknowledge him and just walks over to the kid and squats down and starts talking to the kid. Mm. We barely even hear anything because we're focusing on Oscar Isaac's reaction to it and then him and the kid walk off. I love that because it says so much about his priorities and it makes 
you understand why he's on the mission he's on for the film, that the gangsters just don't understand, that Brian Cranston just doesn't understand. In a world in which you have these gangsters that are supposed to be friendly with one another, but they're not, they'll kill you just like that if you cross them. Um, having someone with the integrity of realizing that hurting a, a, a woman and child is wrong seems really surreal in this world to everyone outside of Ryan Gosling. Like, Ryan Gosling's driver, it's like, to him it makes sense, and to us it makes sense, but to everyone else, it's like such a foreign concept, that idea of uh, chivalry and all of that. It's just so bizarre to them. Yeah, when you had, um, it was Albert Brooks, I think, yeah, when you had that scene of, like, him pointing out, the woman will be safe, but things will be shit for you, It, it did feel kind of funny in a way. Mm-hmm. What did you think of uh, Brian Cranston in this? Um, yeah, he, he he did well. Did you feel bad for him at the end? I did because he 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 felt like the most normal of the other characters that aren't part of the romance. I guess. Yeah, he had he had a lot of. He had chemistry with Ryan Gosling and Irene, in fact. He's Brian Cranston. He yeah. he he, had, he was so good that he made that 2014 Godzilla almost worth watching. You took the next sentence out of my mouth, yeah. <laughs> he will forever hold a place in my heart, Brian Cranston, for Malcolm in the Middle, of course, but he'll forever hold a place in my heart for for making at least 10 minutes of that 2014 Godzilla worth watching. Was it really only 10 minutes? He's only like the first ten minutes. He's I think in it. It's the first quarter. Yeah, because that movie's like two and a half hours long. <laughs> oh God, it's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back. The, the trauma. It was that long, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved Brian Cranston in this movie. This was when he was doing Breaking Bad and stuff. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it would have mm. been. It would have been. And yeah, he's just likable. You know, he's a bit of a scummy guy in this, obviously. I mean, he has a limp and everything because he he owed them at some point. I paid my debts. Yeah, he <laughs> had a limp, so I, I had sympathy for him. Yeah, you had sympathy for him. You empathy felt bad even. for him at the end when he got when he got his wrist slid open. Yeah, and you had that weird, like, it's okay, it's, go, it's over now. And then hard cut to him putting, <laughs> cleaning the razor. Like, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked him. Uh, I loved Albert Brooks in this. Uh, what did you think of his character? Wasn't he Wasn't he interesting? He was. He had a good dynamic with everyone. He was very civil, but also you knew that he was like this emotionless killer. Mm. Like, you could tell, like, hey, I'm a businessman. I'm trying to do the right thing. But, eh, you know, this is the way it's got to be. And he'll just slit your wrist and tell you, it's okay. It's over now. It's over now. That, yeah, that was also the scene where he was like, I was really looking forward to having my name on a car. Oh, well, it's over now. Can't mm. happen. What did you think of, uh, uh, like, Albert Brooks, to us, is a comedy guy. I mean, he's usually a comedy guy, but to us, like, we know him from The Simpsons and stuff. Like, he's Hank oh, Scorpio. He yeah, that's right. That was him. Yeah, and he had a few other voices, too. Um... Like the uh, motivational speaker guy. <laughs> we talked about this off mic a few weeks back. Yeah, I remember the one, yeah. Be like the boy. Be like the boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, like, did that, did that 
factor in for you with any of these actors that you're seeing a kind of a a different take on them like you know for me it was a, it was weird to see Ryan Gosling be this because again he was the take his shirt off and the women swoon guy and then he's in this and he's like this fucking psycho and then the same with Albert Brooks comedy guy hey it's Hank Scorpio and now he's like got no eyebrows and he's a cold-blooded killer hey it's Brian Cranston you know like did you have that at all um honestly I can't really say I do I I'm not too familiar with everything Albert Brooks has done so like when you mentioned those two Simpsons roles I was like oh he loves him right I forgot about that um, and with Ryan Gosling, I was actually looking up his filmography about like 20 minutes before we started recording, and I realized that this is the first film I've actually seen him in. Really? Yeah, it, it felt really weird because I knew I know what he looks like. I know what he's kind of known for, but I haven't seen anything else with him in it. So it kind of threw me off. Felt like I'd seen him before. Well, he's just been in the zeitgeist, I guess. Mm. Wow, you've really not seen another movie with him in it. Wow. I checked the filmography twice. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything on there except Drive. Wow, well, a great starting point for him, I guess, for you. Now you've got to watch The Notebook to see mm-hmm. the opposite. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be like with, um, what's that actor, Sam something from uh, Nightingale and then Love Wedding Repeat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, where they play like a handsome guy and then they play a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 Do you think... Okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. When we discussed The Neon Demon, we discussed so much about it. There was lots of things, nuances, things that you agreed upon. And you said, wow, I, you know, I walked in thinking I would never want to watch this film again. Now I feel like I should give it another watch and give it a chance. Do you think that you'll ever want to go back and watch Drive again? I think with Drive, if I were to watch it again, it could only go up from here. Yeah? Yeah. Well, The Neon Demon, you weren't too... You sounded like you were pretty confident that it would get better on the second watch for you. Yeah, I I think I will appreciate The Neon Demon more on a second watch as well. Maybe that's just my thing with Nicholas Winding Winding Griffin. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. We've got to talk about the driving. It's called Drive. How did mm-hmm. you feel about the driving in it? <laughs> um, the first instance of driving, which is the entirety of the film before you see the title of the film, mm. um, it was very, I've said this word already, very chill and atmospheric um, to the point that when the title showed up, I was kind of thrown off by, oh, oh, right, that would, the, the film's starting now, but I, I kind of was already in this mood uh, watching the film. So, yeah, that it's that one at least was very good for me. What about uh, what about the uh, chase where it was the ambush, where you, Oscar Isaac died and he had. Uh... Yeah, the the two cars smashing each other. One him reverse reversing the car, and the other one still smashing into him. That was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. From from an acting standpoint, I did like that. He did seem a little bit more agitated in that sequence. Um, because yeah. one of the big things about him is you know he's emotionless. He'll he'll get the job done if it involves driving. But in this one, he was clearly clearly thrown off a bit by uh, Oscar Isaac's death. Yeah. I like that the driving isn't stylistically overt. Like, it's just, again, 
it serves a function. This isn't a movie where you're gonna sit down and just watch the car scenes in it. Oh yeah, isn't this doesn't this film have like a notorious trailer or something? Where it presents it like it's a Fast and Furious movie, yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I read about that. That's crazy. <laughs> well, how do you market this? That's true. Before this movie came out, how do you market this? Because this movie was quite influential. Uh, we've seen lots of things take from Drive afterwards, not saying that it's a revolutionary movie, but it was definitely a touchstone point for the 2010s. How do you market a movie that has barely any dialogue? It's just Ryan Gosling looking forlorn, and sometimes he drives. How do you market that? You have to market the driving part. Mm-hmm. You're going to mark this as the rom-com? Yes, yeah, specifically the com part. Uh, it is funny in points. Rom Coleman had some good moments. Very, yeah, very romantic comedy moments. Did you love the, the Ron Perlman thing where he's like a Jewish gangster guy, but he wants to try and be like an Italian mafioso, but they still <laughs> don't respect him and they pinch his cheeks even though he's like 59? He'll never be a made man. Never be a made man. That is true. That is mm. true. He has to be a, Sic- a Sicilian or Italian for that. Yeah. Um. I. I do love the visual image of Ryan Gosling stalking down Ron Perlman wearing the mask. That that expressionless bold cap thing that he wears for when he's doing the stunt driving. What did you think of that? That was also a really interesting sequence. You were talking earlier in this episode about um, demystifying Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of did it for me as well because you had this scene where like he does this stunt and it's really intense and he survives and everyone's cheering for him and then it just cuts to him driving mm. quietly. The moment is over. Um, he's not wearing the mask anymore, but he's still kind of got the same facial expression um, and also, I wasn't really aware that they wore those kind of masks in stunt scenes. I just imagined that they always got someone that looked like the actor. But yeah, so see, seeing that mask, it was like, oh, okay, I guess they do do that. Um, and then bringing it back for the climax, you know, it left such an impression that it was nice to see it come back. Yeah, and it adds just a creepiness, you know, especially when he walks up to the pizzeria and you see it through the, the glass on the door, this weird... Like, you you recognize that it's a human face, but there's an uncanny valley-ness to it. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, and if it, you squint, you can kind of think it's not a mask. But... Yeah, and, and it's creepy. You know, it's a, it's the faceless kill. It's the Michael Myers effect, basically. Where, That's true, it is, yeah. There's a face, but there's no face. Um, mm. And I loved when he killed Ron Perlman. It was, it was so earned. I loved that he, he fucked him over with the car that he, hit him off the road and I just love what the fuck was that what was that and he drove away and it was revealed where he was when Ron Perlman found out that was great you know because for the majority of the movie we we follow Ryan Gosling and he we follow how he does the procedure from moment to moment mm-hmm. um, but that was the moment where we we weren't we were like oh he just drove off okay we're focusing on Ron Perlman then as soon as they get in the car the lights come on he just drives them off the edge and then he slowly walks over and decides, you, you, you drown now. And I love, again, for a movie that is notorious for its violence, it's really, like, shies away from it in a weird way. Like, we don't see Ron Perlman die. It just, we know he dies. He just goes away. You see him dunk him and then it cuts away. Mm-hmm. 
We see the head smashing scene. They obviously had to cut it down for the rating. We see the results of it, but it's not gratuitous. Um, and we saw that in the Neon Demon too, remember? Where there's a supreme amount of violence in the Neon Demon, but again, there's a there's a restraint there. It doesn't feel like gore porn or something, you know? Neil's like the stylistic gore. Yeah, and again, it's tastefully done. He knows when the camera needs to linger on that long enough. And usually it's not that long. It usually cuts away pretty quick. But it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. you've been robbed of that catharsis of the violence. Um, you know, at least for me in Drive. Like, you know, you have the scene where, where he beats that guy up with the hammer, you know, smashes mm-hmm. his hand in, is threatening to hammer in the thing in his head and then makes him swallow the bullet. <laughs> That was a great moment. It was intense. Um, what did you think about uh, the the shootout scene with Christina uh, with yeah Christina Hendricks in the in the motel where he's figured out that he's been betrayed and he's like choking her out and being like so super right, intense and he's just like you tell me the truth or I'll hurt you. What did yeah, you think the... of that? Because that was a suspenseful scene, lots of atmosphere, lots of building mm-hmm. of tension. And then yeah, the emphasis on violence. both their face. Yeah, the emphasis on both their faces really sold that one. Just like his blank stare, his like, "You're gonna tell me the truth now," and then she complies. It's like it's all the truth. <laughs> yeah, and I love again the authenticity to even her character because she could have just been played as the, the 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 shrieking dumb henchwoman crim character that we've seen in a lot of these movies. You know the type of character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you do feel like she's a real person. And then when she gets her head exploded, that was amazing. <laughs> From the shotgun, <laughs> her head explodes. Yeah, yeah, that was... <laughs> it kind of reminded me of... um, I know it wasn't a gun thing, but, like, the melting head in, in Indiana Jones. Yeah, 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 just because of how gruesome it's like, oh, it yeah, if, if, if this was going to happen and it was going to be gruesome, it feels like this is what it would look like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the end of the movie... Did you mm-hmm. think he was dead for that moment? Uh, I think I didn't think he was dead. I thought he he lived, but he was just having a moment. He he was having a moment. Mm. Yeah, I like the ending. You know, I I I like the they're separated off, and it's still done in a way in which, you know. You can interpret it whichever way you like, but you still have the thing of you know, like he said in the movie Albert Brooks of. You know, she'll be safe, but you'll be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life. And that may still ring true. Even though he killed Albert Brooks, that doesn't mean that the threat is gone, necessarily. And we got that scene, and his jacket says it all, where the frog and the scorpion. And, you know, Ryan Gosling was the frog. He's had this criminal organization. He's he's touched the underworld, and, you know, it's touched him back. It's It's something that he'll have to worry about for a very long time. Hence, mm. you know, he's like, Brian Cranston, you gotta get the fuck out of here. And yeah, then never at, come back. And then at the end, it may look like that's what he's doing. You know, he's not back at his apartment, he's just driving at night. Um, I may be wrong, too. I maybe need to look at the final shot again, but when she's knocking on his door, I, I thought it felt like it was, like, late afternoon time, right? And then when it cuts to him, it's, like, nighttime driving. And then end film it might just be me thinking that way about the lighting i'd have to look at it again but i think that's what i visually interpreted from it 
So yeah, it was it was definitely after like four thirty p.m. I suppose. Yeah, but then when we cut to him, it's like late at night. Um, mm. I think it's nighttime. So there's that. There's that there too. But were you disappointed? The movie, like you said, and then the movie just ends. Were you disappointed by that? Were you happy with it? Were we wanting more? I mean, going back to the F word, I keep saying I thought it was fine. Like I knew it was going to end like that, and it did. What? Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess, I just don't know. Like, because obviously I like the movie, and you're just mm-hmm. like, it's fine. I, I just want to grab you and be like, well, what did you fucking? What do you want? What do you need from this movie to make it better for you? Like, what is there? Is there anything, or do you think it's just something that, if you watched it again now having seen it, you would appreciate it more, or do you think it, you know, or is it just a movie that'll forever be fine? Again, maybe if I see it again, I'll appreciate it more. But as it stands now, it's 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 good as it is, and it works for other people. So why change it? Yeah, obviously. I just don't know. Like at the end of this, unlike our Neon Demon discussion, I understood what you wanted from that, but I just don't know what you what you wanted from this necessarily to make it a, a great experience for you. Like what your your viewership needed to push it from just being fine. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's just a film that didn't quite work for me. That I, I don't know what else to say, really. Film fans, Bartek's uh, film film pass has been revoked. He didn't like Drive. Yeah, you heard it here. Well, my, my brother has a film buff friend who didn't like the fact that I didn't like The Neon Demon. And I think he I think what I heard was, oh, but he, he loves Nicholas Winding Refn. You know, he loves The Neon Demon. He loves Drive, so... I think he's probably not going to be too thrilled about this episode either. Will your brother be thrilled? Either. That's the thing. Your brother, your brother's even like, you got to watch Drive and you're going to be like, oh, I saw Drive. It was fine. It was meh. Well, meh's a bit mean, but it was fine. Well, you don't even say, like, I guess I'm just being uh, a bit harsh because you're very much like, it's fine. And the things that you liked about it, you you don't sound that in, like, overjoyed about it. You're like, yeah, it was a movie. Like, here's the thing. You had more positive energy for Tango and Cash than Drive in this discussion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Tango that's and true. Cash I think I actually did think terrible. that. I'm like, <laughs> I think that thought did cross my head of like, oh, yeah, I had more of a reaction to Tango and Cash than I did this. Damn it. Damn it, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. Are we ready to hear what the next episode will be doing? The next movie will be the discussion point of? Yes, and I hope, unlike this film, we will be together by the end. Ah, maybe, if you're good. So, it's our listening people's recommendations. So, that's right, listening people. You can recommend movies to us on our social medias or our our email. We have been recommended a few, so we have a list of movies this one's been on the list for quite some time, but I've been avoiding it. But I think it's time to do it. Mm-hmm. We are going to be doing a gnome named Gnorm, or Norm. It's Norm with a G in front of it. Slash, uh, its other title is Upworld. That's a film. Gnome named Norm, or Gnorm, and or Upworld is the title. <laughs> so, but I don't remember this being on the list. <laughs> It's on the list. Our good friend uh, Alex Fleming <laughs> recommended this. He, is, he said, you want to watch a bad movie? 
What's a gnome named Gnorm? So <coughs> I know you're dying, right? It's very it's very I funny. Am. So from nineteen ninety. Um okay. so we'll be watching that. That is the film. We went from Brick Drive to a gnome named Gnorm. <laughs> so Bartek, you better not fuck up when it's your recommendation after this. You better keep up the theme of really really good movies. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Bartek, where can people find us on the internet to complain at you about your dislike of driving? Well, listening people, you can find us on Facebook. We have a page called Spit and Polish Presents. You can also find us on Twitter. You can also look up Spit and Polish Presents on there. Um, we have a YouTube channel, and our episodes are uploaded to many, many places on the internet, from Podbean to Google Plays to Apple Podcasts. Um, as Ryan says, basically anywhere you can find your pods. We have an email, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com. You can email us with your questions, queries, thoughts, concerns, and recommendations. This is all in the info of the episode, the description. So if you need to look it up, press on that. Isn't that right, Bartek? Yes, and if you need to look up how to spell a gnome named Norm, it's also in the description. A gnome named Gnorm. Um... We're gonna be watching that. Uh, when it, you know, it's funny. You know that song in Drive where the, the the big song in Drive where you know the hero one. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think of the YMS review of Neil Breen, where he had someone sing it, but it's a uh, human Breen. Um, <laughs> so I had a good chuckle about that while watching the movie of thinking about if Neil Breen made Drive. Could you imagine that? Imagine it. I'm trying to imagine it. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to change a line from the film into something that Neil Breen would say. But um, but you I'm, have to have a line. Yeah, I'm blanking. Um, yeah, yeah. No, you. Just, I wanted like, my name on a car. Yeah. Why is not my name on a car? Oh, you know he would be the driver. You know Neil Breen would make himself the best character, and he would be like, five minutes. You've got five minutes, and then I'm out of here. Okay. How could you have done this? How could you have make me made me wait more than five minutes? I can't get you out of this. Do you one. want a toothpick? <laughs>